All right. Uh, hello and welcome to Hello Governor, the podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is, introduce yourself, good sir. Hi, my name is Alan Adelberg. Adelberg. That's, is that how Adelberg. you say it? Adelberg. <laughs> Saddle. And um, I love the fact that you have the comic book name where it's like AA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stan Lee wrote my name. <laughs> Man, it's been a while. I think those are the best names. Like I always, I always get giddy whenever I, I, I book a guest who has like the first two names of, um, you know, the first letter and the last name is the same. So, man, I got to tell you, being an A though was a bummer when you're a kid. You were always called first. <laughs> well, I should know because <laughs> you're right. <laughs> like it's always like um, Abdullah. Are, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, who says I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> then you get like the fun sub who's like, we're going to start from the back of the alphabet. Uh, Victor, are you here? <laughs> but I mean, but how would that go? Like, um, you know, if you're doing it backwards, shouldn't you start with Z first? Or is there like not a Zeke? Or Never knew anybody <laughs> with a Z name. Not in Kentucky growing up. Well, yeah, I knew Zachary's and stuff like that, but it, there wasn't any in my class. I mean, well, I mean, if you grew you grew up in Kentucky and there was no not a Zeke, come on, I, I I find that hard to believe. You know, for sure, I did meet him in high school and stuff like that, but never in grade school. I went to a really small grade school. There was like the same twenty to twenty two kids all eight years. So, um, how did you want to get? How did you get involved in voiceover? I, um, yeah, in a real roundabout way. So, like, I was. Uh, I had done acting um, like before I really wanted to originally be a comic book artist. So it's funny that you bring up comic books because that was like my main focus growing up was writing and drawing comics. And I still love to work in the medium. So that was like my, my goal. And then I just stumbled onto an audition in like seventh grade to do Nick bottom and a midsummer night's dream. And I booked it and it was fun. People laughed at what I was doing. I was like, nobody's giving me immediate feedback when I'm drawing. And, uh, so I just kind of got the acting bug that way. So then I went to acting school, but I realized like I was a couple of years into Emerson and I was like, I kind of want to like live a little bit more before I do acting. So I started like, just kind of on this little like Bruce Wayne journey of like trying to grow as a person. So I lived everywhere I could. I taught English overseas and, and everything like that. And it was while I was overseas, uh, in about 2010, when I decided, all right, I, I want to do voice acting. I want to like, I just want to create and, and focus on these characters and get into animation. So when I went back to the States in Louisville, I looked up uh, through a friend, a production house that uh, produced demos and they also uh, casted. And so they, he taught me everything on like how to read commercial copy and some pretty good tips that I still use today. And then we cut a demo. Demo's pretty rough, but uh, it was my first demo. And then from there, I went and I got a local agent, uh, Heyman Talent, in Louisville, Kentucky, and Cincinnati. And then I uh, I cut my first commercial about a year after my demo. I was like a, a nurse uh, for a um, uh, Galen School of Nursing. And I was like, Galen worked for me. That was my line, but I was delighted. And what made you want to get into voiceover specifically? Voiceover specifically, I liked so much because I could be 
so many different things that wouldn't be reflective on my physical appearance. Cause I had been doing theater and I had been doing, you know, um, extra work and some on camera work and stuff like that. And it was fun. And sometimes you got to have makeup on that made you look a different way, but for the most part, you were kind of typecast by your physical appearance, but with voiceover, I can be so many different people just based on where my pitch and tone is, you know? So I loved that in a day I could play five characters without having to put on any makeup, without having to sit in a car, without having to sit on set because sets are really boring. And you get to do this like wonderful imagination playland and, and ultimately your day's done. Eight hours later, you've done like five different projects where it would have taken you eight hours to even get to and from the one. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned um, not being held back by your looks, and you know a lot of a lot of people I've talked to say that they love that about voiceover because like it doesn't matter what you look like, you can just play whatever, and and I think that's pretty great because in what in what other profession can you walk in and say I was the voice of a Christmas tree or a talking right. sausage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so oftentimes in the same uh, same project. But yeah, it's for sure. I mean, that's not to disparage on camera because on camera is awesome. On camera is really about what you're thinking and you can see it through a person's eyes. What's going on with voiceover that I also like the most, even a little bit more than on camera, is it's really what's going on kind of inside your spirit at that moment. If you're in a bad mood, it's going to come through and you can make the argument that these also happen in on camera and stuff like that. But in an on camera you also have the context of the scene, the editing and things like that. But in voiceover, like your essence is captured on that take. And, and that's what they have to work with. They can't really edit around, you know, like, Oh, he sounds kind of, kind of sad or upset, or he sounds really effusive. And this is calling for him to be sad and upset. Yeah. Because you can't, I mean, obviously you can edit the human voice, but there's only so much that, I mean, you can't really change the, the a person's performance. Like either way, yeah, you might be able to change yeah. pitch and tone, but you know, it's yeah. If you're sounding like this, you're just gonna push it down, and it still sounds kind of excited, you know, or the other way around. You're definitely gonna pick up the emotional subtext and what's going on. And I think this is what kind of bugs me whenever I listen to a show that that hires like celebrities. You can tell like. Some of the reads aren't great, and they I don't know what the circumstances were, but I, I just listened to those reads, and I'm like, that cannot have been the best take. Like, surely there must have been a better take that they could have went with. You know, physical acting and voice acting, they're just they're just different things because like then you put me on a set and I don't know what to do. like I'm not I'm gonna be looking down to hit my mark. I don't realize that like the most micro movement of my face is enough, you know, uh. There's so many things that they're doing that voiceover can't do. And then and then they come to the booth and it's like, well, you can't act with your face. There was a guy I studied with for a while named Rick Wasserman. And Rick was like, stop acting with your face. And he wanted me to tape my eyebrows actually with, with scotch tape so that I'd stop moving my eyebrows so much and try to let everything just kind of come through my voice. No, no, that's great advice because you're not you know, you're acting with your voice. You're not, so don't, don't do like movements and stuff. Cause like, who are you doing that for? <laughs> like, yeah. Plus you can, you can get picked up on mic. Now 
With video games, though, I do think that it is good to do those movements. You just have to be careful because you can't get off access, which is super easy to do. When I first got in, like, I would be just all, like all over the place on the microphone, just like moving around and which is kind of why doing video games with like a Sennheiser is tough because it's such a small pattern. But if you use like a, a Neumann or a, or a, one, oh, a U87 or a 103, it's a little bit of a wider pattern. So you can still move around. But um, yeah, you definitely don't want to be making too much noise in the booth with your clothes. Oh, no, I remember someone got in trouble because they walked in wearing like pants that um, made a lot of noise. And uh, it was... <laughs> <laughs> like a, a twenty, very un, a very you wore parachute day, pants with say. like thirty thousand zippers. <laughs> yeah, it's a very unproductive day on set that day. <laughs> but but I mean that's that stuff. Like you also got to consider is that don't wear anything that can make noise. That because the microphone picks up everything. Mm -hmm. It really does. And there's shirts that like are, I love, they're super comfortable and they feel great, but like they're, the material will still get like onto the mic and I'll be like, oh, that's a great read. And then I have to try and go into spectral view and get out my freaking shirt. And, and plus, like, I think um, D Bradley Baker mentioned this on his website, but he's like, you know, if you're recording for like a Nickelodeon show, you might not want to show up there wearing a Disney shirt. <laughs> Wow, that makes sense. I never thought of that. Yeah. Because I remember reading that on his website, and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because it's like, you know, they're competitors, and, you know, you, you walk in there wearing a T-shirt of the competitors. It, it feels like you're not taking it seriously. <laughs> God, that's interesting. Those are politics I don't deal being a remote talent. You know, I, I don't really know those politics. That makes a ton of sense. Well, I mean, this was in the before times, before everything was recorded, you know. True. Via via zoom and source connect but i, mean, I think la is starting to go back to in person more and more although there's been great opportunities for remote talent that's opened up in like dubbing animes opened up which is awesome um but yeah the big shows like nickelodeon and stuff i don't know because christina malizia she's a super good talent she's in new york and she does stuff for cartoon network i think she's on steven awesome or whatever that show's called Oh yeah, um, it's one of like the positives of the pandemic was the fact that it opened up this po the possibility of, hey, you know, you don't have to be in L.A. or New York to record for whatever. You can just mm -hmm. record from home, and sure. um, I, I honestly think that they shouldn't stop doing home rec home, home recordings because. You know, it's it's really expensive to work around everybody's schedule and get them all on on um, together to record ensemble. So I hear you. If, if I mean, if you can't get them all, then it's like I don't understand. Like, why can't you just like save up money and just be like, okay, we can just do it via Source Connect. I mean, we've been doing it for like two years now. I mean, why stop now? It's it's makes no sense to me. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because people didn't have really good sounding booths. You know, I mean, I got started in Kentucky and now I live in Austin, Texas. So I've always kind of been remote. So I knew when I got started in like 2010, 2011, I was like, oh, I need to have like a good remote studio because otherwise I'm not going to work. So when the pandemic hit, I was ahead of the curve. Um, and I was giving audio advice to people that are just like kicking ass left and right. And it's like, dude, you sound like you're in a broom closet. Oh, well, what do you mean? An AT2020 isn't a good enough mic. <laughs> I know. And it's like, you've 
I have played your video game characters for 13 years and you're coming to me sounding like that. What? Come on, man. But yeah, it's just a, the engineer mindset. We have to wear so many hats now. You know, you have to be an engineer and you also have to be a talent. The hardest part for the engineering talent dichotomy for me is riding the gain. I have an Apollo um, twin, I think it's called. Yeah. So I'm able to virtually control the gain in my, in my booth. But before I could figure that out, that was the hardest hurdle. Cause you know, you'd be clipping all the time or you'd be, or you're in those really dynamic reads where it starts off slow and then it gets really loud and then you're clipping at the end. And it's, so you were kind of like left braining and right braining at the same time, but it took me a while to kind of figure out how to ride that line. So I take it like it wasn't, it wasn't too much of a learning curve for you to, to get used to home recording. It wasn't for me because that was my main focus really in the beginning. I actually spent probably the first four or five years focusing on how to be the best audio engineer I could for my home setup and be able to provide a seamless audio integration service for the clients. So in that regard, it wasn't that hard, but I spent so much focus on that in the beginning that I don't think I was a very strong actor. So then I focused on, oh, I need to actually know how to act about two or three years into the gig. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, how do you break down a script? I should probably learn that. Oh, yeah, especially if you're working in dubbing and they have to, like, um, localize something for an English-speaking audience. It's hard. It really is hard because you're thinking about, okay, you know, this is we're adapting something from a different culture. How do we localize that and make people, you know uh, – understand in a different language you know yeah yeah so then i put all of my focus on learning how to act so uh which is always you know it's a work in progress but it's always fun um it's way more fun than than the nuts and bolts of like okay this is the in this is the out uh what's a bus okay that's a that's a bus uh how do i normalize what am i doing oh it must bug you listening to um (laughs) listening to shows and someone's audio quality sounds different from the rest and it just bugs the crap. You know, it was, it was, well, it wasn't funny because the pandemic was, was a tragedy and we're still going through it. But when it first started about a month or two into it, the audio quality of what was coming through on television commercials was so bad. It was so noticeably bad. Because I remember, because I remember mm -hmm. watching a show and like one person did not have the best audio quality and it was really noticeable and it just bothered yeah. me. It's like, how did you let, how did you let this air? You know, <laughs> Like, come on. Cause they're probably a good actor. And when they're in the studio, they don't have to worry about it. I, you know, I, I envy that experience a little bit because I never had it, but you work with what you have. I mean, how cool would it be to just go in there and act and not have to have the engineer brain at the same time. But I honestly can't imagine what that's like. So you've always been home recording alone. So it's like you know you've never been. Yeah, in I'll studio. go into uh, I'll go into some major studios for some for some jobs I've done for sure. But for the most part, yeah, it's all been through my own studio here in Austin. Th- that's pretty impressive. Like that is, man, that's the dream for some people. <laughs> like that is. Yeah, it took a long time to get the sound right. And I studied with so many people, Tim Tippett's, Jordan Reynolds. I interned at uh, music studios here, oldest intern they ever had. Uh, I was just like trying to soak up all the audio knowledge I possibly could. And did you, um, 
you know, mentioning audio, did you ever like, you know, when you were, when you were helping people out, did you, was there a point, was there ever a point where you got frustrated? Because a lot of people who aren't tech savvy are, you know, <laughs> kind of frustrating to deal with sometimes. You know, I just, I could identify with where they are. So it didn't bug me. It was just more like, I totally get it. It's terrifying when you first start. Because you feel, you know, you just feel like the sword of Damocles over your head. You're like, what do I do? And this is due. And ah, what if it screws up? And Or worse, okay, we've got it set now. But what about when it's not set? Now what do I do? So I, I identify with that. I, I totally know what that's like. You know, I remember that just abject terror. It lasted like maybe a year and a half, two years. Yeah, because a lot of people, especially people who are who are so used to just recording from studio from studios, sure, they know, like you know what, like they're like, hey, you want me to record from home and on the computer? How does that work? And, it, and then you just yeah. have to explain to them, like you know, you do this, you do that, blah blah blah. You know, invest in a booth, invest in a good mic, and you know, just go from there. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, totally. It uh, it was an experience. This this whole this whole last couple of years, we were talking before the interview. It's just been a wild blur. Like honestly, like sometimes, like you know, real talk. Like I'm not trying to be funny here, but I honestly sometimes don't even remember some of the days anymore. Like the days just feel like <laughs> they just feel like one long, just one long day that just refuses to end. Like you know, I go in waves. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't remember what it was like to have like a weekend where I wasn't thinking about work, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any different, you know? So it's just the way it is. No, I mean, cause I, as I was talking to my psychiatrist today and, um, and I said, like, I love doing, you know, the podcast because it keeps me busy and I kind of need to be busy because I don't want to, you know, when I'm not busy, I'm thinking about everything else and it kind of bums me out. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we have to give ourselves a little bit of a break. I mean, this is just totally unprecedented what we've lived through and what the whole world's lived through. And, you know, there's still the demands on us every day of like, we got to make that money. We got to meet our clients' needs. We got to go out in this. So it's, uh, I think it's okay to just admit, like, it's pretty overwhelming. But I mean, what, what did you do to stay sane? Because, I mean, obviously it's not, I mean, we're still in this. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, everything's done with because, I mean, we're still in it, but... Yeah, you know it's not as crazy as it was two years ago, but like two years ago, like it was, it was much more frightening because we we had no idea how long this thing was going to last, and as it, as it went on, we were just like, oh boy, like is this is this going to be like life now? And every month just kept getting worse and worse, and oh yeah, and it just my mom me. died in uh, in March of twenty twenty. So she died like right at the start of it. And we're pretty sure it was COVID. We're not sure. Um, Cause it was before that, you know, they could even really test it. And so I was dealing with that and I was dealing with COVID. It was, oof. I mean, 2020 was just awful. And uh, sorry to hear that. Oh, you know, I mean, everybody's got their story, 
You know, I, I haven't met a single person that hasn't been affected by this, which is also something that's kind of, you know, it's unifying in a way. It's like we've all been traumatized by the last couple of years. And I think for me, what got me through it was was enjoying the work. You know, like I, I remember we had to fly down to or fly up, excuse me, to Kentucky from Texas. And, you know, this is before we even knew it was airborne. So it's like, is it from touching things like I'm opening doors with my elbows? What do we do? And, and then by the time I got back here, which was like a week and a half later after the funeral or everything, you know, I'm just wiped out. And by the time I got into the booth and I just did my first script, I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Like I can just, I can just live in the moment. I think it was probably the first time in a while where I was in the moment because I wanted desperately to be in any other moment. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that sums up everybody's experience period because we were just looking for an escape and we were just looking for anything just just to just just take our mind off it and and i said this like before many times so i apologize for any long-time listeners but it was literally hard for me not to end every episode from 2020 saying thank you for keeping me sane because like you know you're under quarantine and the only people you can talk to are like on the podcast so it's like you know, these yeah. were like my legit conversations and yeah, they're rough, but I was going through a lot of shit. We were all, we all mm-hmm. were. And, but there's a lot of honesty in it. I mean, I still, yeah. I, you know, I pushed through and I said, look, I'm still going to be doing this and, you know, everyone's stuck at home to begin with. So it's like, you know, either, you know, take that leap of faith or don't. Yeah, I was, um, I was really lucky to also have my wife. She was just a, a blessing and it always is. So to have her there was a, was a big thing. And she was also going through her stuff. I mean, you know, her nephew was born in April. Uh, so, I mean, of 2020. So like all of this stuff's happening. We can't go there. We can't help them. We're in quarantine. What is going on? Like we can't help family. Uh, I mean, my mom still really hasn't had a, a proper funeral, you know, and then, and then her brother-in-law also passed and he hasn't had a proper funeral. I mean, I feel like everything has just been on pause and we're getting slowly, uh, you know, there'll be moments where I'm like, oh, we're fine. And then, and it's like, oh, there's another variant and then we're going to have to close things down or, okay, we're going to move masks now from planes. Yay. Well, okay. Now I don't want to get on the plane with you. What Now what do I do? Yeah, it's like every day it's it just it becomes more and more frustrating because it's like, okay, we can you know, it's safe to go out without masks now and I'm like, okay, cool, but I'm still gonna do it because I don't wanna get sick, you know. I don't and I don't wanna be that person who gets someone else sick because it's like Right. You know Right. Because I was at a convention like a you know, a month ago and I'm like, I don't wanna get any of the guests sick, you know. Like they, they came all the way here and I'm just like I don't want to get them sick, and you know, I, I'm very glad that 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 um, the con staff were at least very respectful of their decision to wear masks. So that's that great. Was, that was great. So it's like, yeah, that's you know, really really you, good. You you guys, you know, did the right thing in that. You know, just you know, just just be respectful. Like I'm not saying like, oh, you have to, you know, constantly wear masks like 24 seven. No, it's like just just do it because you know, for you, for your, not, not because of your own safety, but to just 
not get others sick. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, here in Texas, we have this constant uh, push and pull between uh, our governor and our mayor here in Austin. So the mayor was, you know, trying to make it so that people would be safe. And the governor is is looking after, I would say, business interests, which I respect because, you know, they need to be able to stay open as well. So there was this constant, like, the attorney general is suing the mayor because the mayor is saying you should wear a mask. And instead of instead of there being a solution towards helping other people, it started taking on this weird political tribalism. So, you know at least here in Texas to wear a mask is almost a political statement. You know, it's like, I dare to, like you said, I don't want to get anybody else sick. I'm I'm going to dare to show empathy. And that becomes a, a whole political minefield. I, I, you know, I, I said the other day, I was like, I don't think there's anything more punk rock you can do right now than just be empathetic and be kind. You know, it seems like that goes against the grain now. Oh, what do you mean? Be empathy, you know, just, just send everybody <laughs> death threats on Twitter. Cause that's what everyone does these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess another thing too, that kind of kept me sane is I've, I've stayed a little unplugged from social media and, and the news as best I can. I mean, I post on social media, of course, and I, and I follow things, but I, I try to stay as a little bit arm's length as I can. Cause I don't know. It can, it can get really weird. I mean, there's just, there'll be like problems on there. And then I go into real life and everybody's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, I remember back in 2020, I said, I want to be as willfully ignorant as possible. I spent like, God, I spent like a, the first couple of weeks just watching old shows that I grew up with as a kid. Cause I'm like, I need escapism now more than ever. And I don't want to, sure. I don't want to pay attention to the news. And so I just spent all my days like watching cartoons and, just just trying to remember what it was like to be a kid in the before times when I didn't have to worry about you know, the world around me. Yeah. I don't know. There's other things I do too. Like, you know, I, I journal in the morning. It's like morning pages. I just do like stream of consciousness for at least three or four pages. That That tends to get out whatever is kind of underlying out of me and out of the way. I meditate. I do TM. Um, I started getting back into fitness because had put on a little bit of the COVID-15 and I, uh, I finally got that off after God knows how long. So I don't know, getting into more of a regiment has helped me to, uh, kind of move past just the weight, the enormous weight that we've all felt and are feeling. And that's the thing is that people need to understand that, this thing is far from over. I mean, yes, it's oh, yeah. not as it's not as serious as it was like two years ago, but you know, you can still get it. I've known people who still got it. You know, it's it wasn't as serious as as it was like two years ago, but you can still get it and there are new variants and you know and I I encourage everyone to still get vaccinated because if you're not, you know, getting vaccinated, then what the hell is wrong with you? I think the most um alarming experience of the last two years for me was being able to see who in your circle and who in your extended family has compassion and empathy and who doesn't. And I was surprised by who was on either side, very much so. Like, you know, I would have pegged one for the other. And so there was, there was, that was just kind of heartbreaking a little bit. It's like, really, you don't want to just, you know, maybe look out for them. I know you don't have it. I don't have it, but maybe they have it. 
Or maybe you don't want to give it. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I just don't understand that mindset. I really, it, it just, it just boggles my mind. It's like, I, yeah, wearing a mask isn't fun, but it's like, just, just think of others for once. Like, it's not about, it's not about, you know, what you want. It's about like keeping others safe for once and not helping this thing get any worse than it, than it already is. But people yeah. just didn't want to do that. People just wanted to be like, oh, you know, screw your mask. I, I, I do what I want. And it just. <laughs> oh, you've been to Texas. I see. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen horrible stories from there. So, <laughs> you know, it, Austin is genuinely a great city. It really is. Uh, Patton Oswald, the comedian, was like, Austin is like being in the mall in a zombie movie. And I guess it kind of is. But it's a good mall. Pretty great mall. Food's great here. A lot of good food trucks, and the music's awesome. And for the most part, you know, there there was a general vibe of just like, no, let's let's definitely look out for each other. And then you go into other areas, and it's like, oh boy, oh this is to wear a mask is to basically be like, I don't know, staking a flag, being like, I'm making a political statement. And it shouldn't have to be a political statement. It should just be, hey, here's how we stop this thing from spreading. You know, just oh god, it just it just bugs me, and 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 I, I I still like, and I've said this many times before, but I think now we're more divided than ever because, like you said, we now know who has empathy and who doesn't have empathy, and before you just would, would just uh, not pay attention to those types of people who who would just you know say stupid shit and and just write them off as like hey you know what they're just being edge lords or whatever just 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 you know saying stupid shit for the sake of it but then you know when 2020 hit you started to see like who was a really a loathsome human being like you just started to realize oh man no they weren't uh they weren't just being edgy for the sake of it they were they actually believe this nonsense but you know the thing that is also keeping me sane is trying not to judge them. You know, the same way when you look at a script or a story or anything, if you're trying to look at the character, the character may be despicable on the surface, but like you can't really judge the character. Otherwise that comes through in the performance. Everybody feels their way for a reason. So when it's bananas and I don't like it and I don't want to be around it, I still try my hardest to just not judge them and realize that's how they're coping with their pain. So if if this little piece of cloth is going to trigger them, great. They can be way over there. I'll be over here. Yeah, no. When I saw someone like posting, you know, conspiracy theories and, and what have you and being like on, you know, questionable podcasts, I was like, you know what? The, fine. You know, if you if you if that's the way you feel then whatever i'll i'll just separate your work from you as the person cuz you know just because you yeah. you know just because you're you have like views i disagree with does not mean that the shows you worked on are automatically ruined for me because i i refuse to 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 have that mindset because that 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 would be that would let hate win and i'm not interested in letting hate win right now Exactly. You know, because I also realized that they think I'm nuts. <laughs> you know, they look at me and they're like, look at this guy. He's nuts. So we're we're just going to have to uh, agree to disagree is the way I look at it. Yeah, man. But it's just it's just getting tougher. And, and I honestly and 
I think my mantra for 2022 is just I am done trying to understand the world and trying to understand people and just be like, okay, I'm just going to try to live my life as best as I can. You know, we're in this weird position now where as human beings, we have to understand the world, but we've never been able to understand the world. And we've never really been able to, to go all over the world like we can now, say in the last, you know, a couple hundred years, but definitely in the last hundred years with airplanes as quickly as we can. I mean, we're, we're in like a global mindset, but really I think evolutionarily we're, what was that thing I read? Like we're supposed to, or we have only really in the past, maybe known 150 people total in our whole life. And now it's, you know, we have access to the whole world and that's a whole lot to download at once. So instead I try not to make sense of the world necessarily. I just try to make sense of how I'm operating within it. And am I operating within my own ethics and am I, you know, contributing good? I mean, that's all any of us can do right now is just, yeah. just look at what we're doing and just say, Hey, I, you know, if, if, if something I worked on brought you joy or you enjoyed what I did, then cool. I'm glad I, I, I was, I'm, I'm glad I helped you get through, you know, a tough time or whatever. 100%. I mean, you know, when I rewatch Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or The Wire, everything that I did at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, to know that like a show that I've been on or any work that I've done, if that could offer somebody else, you know, solace or or at best just a good old fashioned distraction, awesome. I feel like I've done something. I've contributed. Yeah, and and that's why like I. You know that's why I I get you know attached to you know voice actors and you know not not attached but like I, that's why I that's why I find acting so fascinating because you guys just tell you know play these larger than life characters and um, you know for for sake of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh I don't know. There's just such there's such powers in story. You know when I I I would say definitely growing up, you know when you're reading those books for the first time, whether it's treasure Island or anything around, I mean, you, you're really reading about like, is this the kind of person that I could be? At least that's the way I read when I was a kid, you know, is this the kind of person I could grow into? Are these the, not only experiences I'd have, but are these the points of view that I could possibly have? So I always try to approach any script that's coming in or any character as like, what's this character's point of view and how did they get to that point of view? You know, you mentioned that, but but like, what what was the toughest character you you uh, ever did that you just? Oof, that's a great question. Uh, that, you, hmm. that you were like, okay, how do I break this person down? Yeah, um, it's actually a character I'm doing right now. It's he is like he's an assassin. He's he's just genuinely not a good person to really anyone. <clears throat> including uh, his love interest. He's, he's just a really tough character to be around. And it's, it's in a way where he thinks that he's being a badass. And I guess in his world, he's being a badass. But really, if you look at it from a holistic standpoint, it's like, well, this guy's not really bringing a lot of good into the world. So to go back to the thing of like, you cannot judge the character. I've got to figure out like, well, how, why has he created this armor of negativity around him? Like, what is he protecting? And what is this character for? Like, is this uh, part of an, this is for an audiobook. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's even tougher because um, you only have it's a marathon. <laughs> it's a marathon. You only have the words to to help you um, to help you visualize. Yeah, it. and you really have to imbue the subtext into it because I I wasn't really picking up any of the subtext. <clears throat> I don't know if the writer was just assuming we'd know that, or I honestly can't tell if the writer thinks that this is badass. I'm no, I don't know. So. I kind of have to, for me to be able to play it honestly and realistically come to a point of being able to like, how do you view the world through this, through this specific lens so that you genuinely think you're doing good? Well, I mean, they say every villain is the hero of their own story. So. Which is why I think villains are so fun and great to play, you know, cause it, it, there's, there's a great experience in learning this guy's point of view. Like, do I, do I condone his actions? Absolutely not. But it's pretty fascinating to play somebody who's basically so wounded. He has to kind of, I guess a lot of actors have approached the Joker that way. I always get like a sense that they, that they see him as incredibly wounded. So he's just protecting himself with all this, you know, uh, malevolence. I mean, it depends on, it depends on the actor. Cause um, I True. never, I don't think Cesar Romero, but definitely the Heath Ledger, for example. Yeah, I mean Ledger, but I, I never got that impression from Hamill's Joker. Never. I mean, Hamill's yeah. Joker always felt like he was just crazy from day one. See, I don't know. Because then there was Mask of the Phantasm and stuff like that. If you see it just like on an individual episode level, for sure. But as like an overarching arc, including the Arkham games, I, I do think he was protecting himself, actually. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, uh, Return of the Joker as well is, um, is a great deconstruction of that character because... You know, it's him going up against a Batman who is completely different from the Batman he he was fighting in his yeah, youth. And I love sure. that scene in the end where McGinnis gets on his nerves and he screams yeah. out, you're not Batman. I love that so much. That was such, man, that, that's, that was such a great movie. <laughs> yeah, that unedited cut is a really good movie. Uh, first uh, animated uh, WB uh, Warner Brothers uh, movie to get a PG thirteen rating. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was working at Blockbuster Video when that came out. Uh, yeah, I remember watching the edited cut when I was a when I was a kid, and I'm like, yeah, this is good. But and then, and then like years later, you find out about the uh, unedited cut, and it's like an urban legend where it's like, wait a minute, this exists. Yes. <laughs> I found it at a con. I, I bought it on like a, like one of those burnable discs that I don't think I could even play anymore. Oh man, that that was the oh man, I love oh, God. I miss I miss that I miss that era where you could just where we didn't have money for DVDs, official DVDs. So it's like you know you you go to like a thrift shop, thrift shop or a flea market, and you find like these all these movies burnt on <laughs> burnt on CDs. Yeah, totally. It's like a DVD-R and it's it's just handwritten and there's like a photocopy. I think I got that and like, you know, like Spider-Man and his amazing friends, all these Marvel cartoons from the 80s that are now all streaming on Disney+. Plus. But then it was like, my God, what is this treasure? Oh man, I remember having um, uh, two VHS tapes of the 1981 Spider-Man animated series, which unfortunately yes. people forgot existed. Thank you, <laughs> time, for that. But uh, 
it was a real show that only lasted a little bit because before it got replaced by Spider-Man and, and his amazing friends. And it was Dan Galveston, right? Wasn't he the voice for Spidey for both that and Amazing Friends? Yeah. The guy who did Bumblebee? Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. I loved his Peter Parker. Yeah, and he also did um, – he was also in Jack in the Box commercials back in the day. <laughs> oh, no kidding. God. Yeah, just look that up. It's on YouTube. It's hilarious. Oh, I got to see that. <laughs> those those uh, shows had the grooviest soundtrack. You know, and there's all this like wah-wah in the background. It's funky. I've tried online to just find the music from those shows. It's so groovy. I wondered like, did somebody just like write this for like Simon and Simon or Magnum PI? And they're like, no, we, we don't need it. But we got this Spider-Man thing going on if you want to use it there. Also, fun bit of trivia. Um, Neil Ross played the Green Goblin in 1981 Spider-Man and the 1990 series. So there you go. Oh, well. <laughs> the 1990 series kind of bugged me a little bit like spider-man's just so earnest in everything he's doing and it drives me a little bonkers oh i i that show watching that as an adult is a, is is a pain because it yeah it is edited by someone who has adhd like it just <laughs> it just keeps moving too fast and i'm like slow down please <laughs> Yeah, plus they couldn't use the Green Goblin or something like that in the beginning. So I remember like, the Hobgoblin? Where's the Green Goblin? Who's this guy? And they, they couldn't have Mary Jane. Or did they not have Mary Jane for a while? Or no, no, no. Felicia Hardy was like Gwen Stacy. I don't know. I felt like there was a bunch of things that were blended. Oh, yeah. And Peter had that amazing polo shirt. That like green and purple and, and white collared polo shirt. Oh, and I just love how... When they did the crossover with all the multiple Spider-Men towards the end of the series, uh, the Clone Saga was going on at the time. And when oh, that's right. Ex- I think it was Madame Webb or someone was explaining uh, the, the the fact that the, there was an evil clone of Peter. And he says, this is starting to sound like a plot of a bad comic book. So even <laughs> even the 90s people were like, yeah, the Clone Saga is stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. I... I tried with the Clone Saga. I was an avid reader then. Like I was getting subscriptions in the mail, which was a bummer, by the way, because they would come folded. And it's like, um, so then I switched to go into a comic shop because I didn't actually want them destroyed by the time I got to read them. But yeah, man, that that story was bananas. That was the first time. Actually, I think that story was the first time as a kid I realized like, oh, they're making this up. Like they're making this up as they go along. Like they don't actually know where this is going to go. I mean, okay. Now, um, fair warning to people if you're not familiar with um, Spider-Man lore, because yeah. this is the spoiler story. warning for the no, thirty-year-old no, no, storyline. No, 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 it's not spoiler warning. It's just like this is going to be like the nerdiest shit ever. So I apologize in advance. But originally, the Clone Saga, the there was um, the clones. There was a clone story back in I think the eighties. Where was the original Clone Saga where, you know, a clone shows up and he really? ends up dying, you know, and the oh. Jackal was the villain in that. The and Jackal? Then, yeah. And then years later in the 90s, they thought, hey, the let's, 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 do, let's do that again, but make it even more confusing. Where what if the clone shows up again and he's actually the real Peter Parker? <laughs> And the Peter Parker we've been following for all these years was actually a clone. And, but it, but it, well, that wasn't the case. That was just. What in the world? <laughs> I just looked up the Jackal. What is this guy? 
what is this? He's like, he, he looks like Moss Man or something on a diet. He's like covered in green fur. Was this yep. just supposed to be like Diet Coke, uh, Green Goblin or something? I'm pretty sure that was the case because they couldn't, I mean, spoiler alert, you know, it turns out it was Norman Osborn who was behind the whole thing the entire time in the end. Hey, no offense to Diet Coke. Diet Coke's a real brand. This is like RC Cola, Green Goblin. Wow, that is a silly looking character. So that's a whole, he's just wearing that as a costume? That would be so hot. I'd be sweating like crazy. Oh, have you looked up his um, 90s jacket? The the Matrix jacket outfit. What? No, Jackal <laughs> 90s jacket, Spider Man. Look at this. <laughs> oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> Looks even worse. Oh my god. Man, the 90s were maybe the worst fashion era ever. <laughs> How did the human race continue with people dressing like this? <laughs> like it's just it's just so weird where it's like every. Where com where uh, ba- I think uh, Marvel was almost bankrupt, and so they're like, you know, we need to sell comics. Just give everyone a new costume. It doesn't matter how horrendous it looks. Just give them a new costume. He kind of looks like a gremlin. He's called the anyway. Jackal. But he, but he's called, <laughs> anyway, he's called welcome to Jackal ja- Talk. I mean, he he he's called the Jackal, but he he looks like a he looks like a, a goblin. Yeah, yeah, he totally looks like the go- so I guess the goblin was dead at this point. They're like, we need another goblin. I got it. And it's just and originally it was supposed to be Harry Osborn, but they're like, no, just make it Norman instead. And this was how Norman came back into the main continuity through a terrible storyline. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, like I said, they had no idea what they were doing. But but I mean, like you mentioned that, but you know, as a kid, you don't really think about narrative structure. You just enjoy it for what it is. But you know, totally. When, but when you yeah, when when you when you're an adult, and you watch this from like a you know, and you understand what, like what narrative structure is, like what what the first, second, third act of a story is, then you kind of get you start asking questions like. Why are we wasting so much time on on this? Why is this our main villain? And and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. But as a kid, you didn't care. It's like, yeah, it's Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. That's why I like the Clone Saga, because that was the first storyline where I was like, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? I think in just in general, like... Ah, God. And now this is a comic book podcast. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um... I mean, voiceover and comic books, I think, go hand in hand. I mean, I most I've played a lot of comic book characters. I, I love it. When the scripts come through and it's for a comic book character, I'm like, OK, we're in my wheelhouse. I get it. No, I just it's I, like I just, it's operatic. Yeah, yeah. But but I just feel like, you know, to me, the problem with. Why aren't people? Why aren't more people interested in reading comic books? I'm like, have you seen the the type of stuff that got published? I am surprised that mm. these books still got published after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's hard. It's hard to tell someone. Well, you know, you should read this this thing, but it's like, like they have to have like some sort of understanding of what like what happened before, and it's just. Like people don't want to do that. People just want a fresh start, and I think that's why people gravitate towards the movies because there, there's no 
like there aren't like 20 plus or 80 plus years of continuity that they have to catch up with just to understand what the hell's going on. They can just watch sure. one movie and just be like, okay, we're, you're caught up. Yeah. Plus, depending on the era, a lot of the superhero stuff is just like childish power fantasies. It just looks like people in garish costumes throwing a temper tantrum. Um, and then when you get into the more sophisticated stuff, then it's like, oh, this is what the medium can do. You know, like just like movies, you can have a Western, you can have a, a horror movie, you can have a noir. Oh, this median is available for everything else. But yeah, when I was growing up, I, I read those books now and it's like, this is just such a dumb power fantasy. Man, and, and that's my problem with a lot of these old books is like you read them and it's like, Peter... I don't care. You can cancel me all you want for this opinion, but you know, Peter Parker back when I was a kid did not have a personality. He was just every man because the writers were like, Hey, you know, we don't want to give him a personality because then, you know, readers, it would take out the power fantasy. So it's like, we should huh. we just make them bland as possible. So you can just, you know, imagine yourself as this character instead of just writing a compelling character. Well, I've I've canceled you, so I don't know if I can say anything else. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. You know, I always read him as like Peter was just a dick, especially when you read him now. It's like people be like, "How you doing, Pete?" I'm fine. Leave me alone. And it's like you just walked into the party. Like, could you imagine this guy in real life just coming in? Like, hey, Pete, where have you been? Leave me alone. You came to my house. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> oh, especially during. Um... Oh God, 2007. I think was it was around 2006 or 2007 during the other storyline where he got his organic web shooters. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I stopped reading at that point. Yeah, so they gave him the organics to to do the Toby Maguire thingy. Yep. Oh boy, that was just gross. I mean, I liked those movies. Uh, I don't really like them anymore. At the time, I I had a blast, but yeah, when the organic stuff came out, I was like, oh, that's that's. Does he get dehydrated? Like, does he have to drink a lot of Gatorade? I mean, it's like to me, are to me organic webs made sense because, like, you know, it is a mutation after all. But at the same time, it's like okay, but then what? What is stopping it from mutating, from getting even worse? Like, what is it? You know, what's stopping him from get, becoming like a giant spider? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading. He was like, I just find it hard to believe that somebody would create an adhesive that nobody else has. It's like, well, he's sticking to walls and jumping 30 feet into the air. I think that's a little bit more unbelievable, but that's fine. And, and you brought, you brought up a good point is like the, the, my problem with like superhero designs is that you just look at them and you're like, how are they not sweating? Like, how can they yeah. talk? Like, how can he talk without sounding muffled? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? He's like, speak up. I can't, I'm so, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. What? Oh, God. And and and, and then you had, oh, God. I, I did not like the fact that they, in, in the newer movies, in the MCU, they gave him like those, um, those, uh, uh, electronic eyes. It's just, eh, like that. Oh, they go of... up. Yeah. <laughs> it did mirror the way that he'd been drawn. It was, it was clever. My only gripe with those things is I'm so sick of masks disappearing and reappearing. Just just put them on and off. Come on, guys. 
just or just carry them like like a, a knight's helmet or something like that. It's like disappearing masks, the disappearing costumes in general. It's, it it takes me a little bit out of it. Oh, you don't like the fact that every time Robert Downey Jr. wears his Iron Man outfit, the camera has to zoom in on his face inside the armor because God forbid we go two seconds without seeing Robert Downey Jr. on screen. Oh, that I think is wicked clever. I actually think that's super clever because we got to experience it from his point of view and see his emotion and also see the arm. I I dig all that. I mean, like more like it made sense with Star-Lord being able to touch this thing behind his ear and then it, I don't know, dissipates back into its holster or something like that. But when everybody just had their masks just dissipating, it's like, okay, I, I get that maybe Tony could figure it out, but like everybody's got this now. Okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah it's like captain america shows up and he just pushes the button on his helmet and it just like disappears into nothing (laughs) yeah and then i think like what if your beard gets caught in that or like what if like a little bit of your chin gets caught you're like ah ah, ah." oh yeah i I was watching a video on on youtube and someone mentioned like one of the things that really bugged him about those movies was like how do they communicate like what, what? What do they do? Like how? Like they don't. They don't have earpieces, but they can like communicate with each other. Like how does that? Yeah, like work? in the first Avengers movie, they they make the 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 movement that there's an earpiece, but their hands are like a foot away from their ear when they're talking to each other, as if they're like going to press it in or something. Like they all have like 2007 Bluetooths in or something. And I just never noticed that. And I just went back and watched that. And I'm like, yeah, that 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 does not make any sense. Like how did they talk to each other? Also, why does Loki's helmet like show up and like you know just like show up out of nothing? That, that how does really Loki not me. have neck pain? <laughs> like, how does he not have neck pain? I would be kind of like leaning forward all the time. Like, oh, um, oh, god. Like a mask, okay, sure, whatever you can say, technology, but an entire helmet showing up out of nothing. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he's magic. He's well. I mean, well, that answers your question. Why does he not have neck pain? Because he, he's magic. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. He's a magic space god or something or other. <laughs> I did like that uh, miniseries. That was a good series. Eh, Loki was fine. I, I feel like um, the, the problem I had with that series is the problem I have with that with the with the with the franchise in general is that I just want one story to just stand on its own. Just mm. not have the final episode be like a be like a cliffhanger a, a, not a cliffhanger but like an an advertisement for like a movie or something yeah. i'm just like yeah i see what you mean just just tell a story please yeah yeah but they're based on a model that was doing that basically i know what you mean though but it, within that model there were still individual stories sometimes the movies offered me that more than the series i feel like the series definitely all fall prey to that like coming up next Oh man, how's Loki gonna get out of this one by Dave yeah. Machina? <laughs> He's gonna fight something purple. Yeah, I mean it was cool seeing like the multiple Lokis, but like they did nothing with that concept. Yeah, it was it was a clever idea that I was kind of disappointed was only for like that one half an episode. I thought the whole thing was gonna be like that, but maybe that's what season two is gonna be. Like it's just it's just like just such a big cock tease where it's like oh man we got a bunch of Lokis are they gonna start riffing off each other it's gonna be great it's all Hilston's playing two different Lokis I wonder how this is gonna turn out oh 
<laughs> it still just legit blows my mind that this is popular culture, that people have like sincere discussions on like, you know, oh, I just think they didn't use crocodile Loki enough. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, it's like when you loved a band and then everybody else knows the band now. It's like, well, their first albums were better. Oh, don't get me started. That's how I felt about uh, people getting into Clone High when, you know, during pandemic, because that show starts, suddenly got really popular during pandemic time. And I'm like, I remember watching this, like, you know, back in 2008, okay? You know, <laughs> I was I was privy to this before any of you, any of you, any of you people were, you know? <laughs> just exciting it's so interesting like i'll have like older family members talking to me about it i'm like really huh okay that blows my mind that um that my mother who has never read a comic book in her entire life knows who she knows who uh, iron man is like that blows my mind yeah and i think uh i just saw in like the latest ios update that the superhero emoji kind of looks more like a marvel character than it does superman so i mean hats off to marvel studios for literally replacing in the zeitgeist the entire iconography of what people think is a superhero (laughs) well i mean it's just i don't know how many billions of dollars that took to to steer the ship in that direction but they did it that's a feat I mean, I think that's the problem I think I have with media now in general is like everything's just going to be owned by by like one company, one conglomerate, and it's just going to be all the same. And it's just... Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I'm loving it because we have access to so many different stories now more than ever. And there's just so many incredible artists making such incredible work. It's It's hard to find it, you know? Because it, there's not as many, you know, uh, it, it, there's so many options now and not the few that it's hard. It's easy for like amazing art to just go right by me. And unless somebody speaks of it or I read an article on it, I'll have no idea. There's a, there's a website called Just Watch that helps me find some good stuff. No, I, I feel like I'm I'm at that point where I'm just done trying to keep up with everything. I'm just going to be like, I, I'm just, I just have like two or three shows I keep up with and that's it. I don't. I don't want to watch anything on day one. I don't want to binge watch the newest, hottest show. I'm just, I'm fine with just sticking to what I know. <laughs> I go through phase. I like, I go in like a cycle. So when I'm in a really, really creative phase, I don't watch anything. And then when I've like either written a story or I've finished like a big, long project with either voiceover or, or something else or, or working on a set or whatever, then I'll go through a glut of just like, okay, it's just three weeks of just couch time. Let's catch up. I mean, well, whatever helps you, um, you know, whatever helps fuels your creativity, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, we're, we're at that point where everything's just, it's just getting too, there's just too much content. And I'm just like, I don't want to keep up with it anymore. Like, I don't, I hate this idea that I'm supposed to, you know, keep up with whatever people are talking about or wherever the hot new show is. I'm just like, can I just like talk about the things I like that no one seems to care about, <laughs> but me talk about them. You have a podcast. I'm on your podcast. Talk away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just feel like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's cool that, you know, we're talking, you know, everyone's talking about the hot new Marvel show, but it's like, you know, I, you know, why, why are we talking about this old show from like 2008 or whatever? 
like that I just realized was a thing because I just watched it and I'm just like I want someone to talk to about this thing, you know. Do blogs still exist? Do people still blog about TV shows? <laughs> blogs. Good yeah, Lord. just the phrase <laughs> is the worst phrase in the world. Blog. Even when it came out, I was like, oh, that's not going to last. Blog. I, God, for the longest time, I refused to, like, I, I would use sites, but I would refuse to say, like, check out my blog I would just mm-hmm. say, check out my page, check out my whatever page. Yeah, I, I that makes wanna, more sense. I don't want to say blog because blog is like one of the stupidest freaking words ever invented. It's a, it's an incredibly ugly word. It's it's a, it's it's it's. it's Are a, there? Okay, cool. It's it's uh, God, <laughs> what is this podcast? <laughs> like we've, we went we've, from uh, run the gamut. <laughs> We went from talking about voiceover at the beginning to like blogs. It's It's free association. Welcome to the free association podcast. What is my life? (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but I mean, it's, it's just one of those things I just never liked. It's like blog. Why? Why is that? Why is that a term that should exist? Why? Why can't you just say website or whatever? Or and and then vlog came along, and vlog is even a worse word because it's like, yeah, <laughs> like stop, stop making up really terrible words that um that only give me a headache every time I think about them. Yeah, they do sound like uh com speak or something from 1984 and i'm so i'm just shocked that it just lasted as long as it did i'm still shocked that there are people who still use blogger <laughs> you know like people still have like blogger uh pages that they update and i'm like why why is this a thing <laughs> like which one because because uh, there are a couple of artists that still have blogger pages and i'm just like why is this a still a thing like i understand i mean if it's working for them I mean, I understand why if it was, you know, during the early 2000s when, you know, Twitter wasn't a thing and and, and, uh, what have you, and Blogger was like the only uh, format where you could write really long blog posts and post art or whatever, but things change, man, and and I just don't see the point in it anymore. Like, just keep it as an archive. Like, I don't really understand what what the point is is anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. But then again, like nowadays, I feel like if you don't have social media, like it's it's there's this other stigma that I'm just tired of is like everyone has to have social media. It's like, no, if people don't want to have social media, just don't don't give them shit over it. Just just let them, you know, just let them do do them, you know, just let them be them. Just just let them not experience the horrors of social media, please. Mm hmm. But I just I just don't like that I I just don't like the this 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 whole concept of because I've had people on the show who who've had uh, who 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 are pressured into getting a Twitter account or getting an Instagram account that they barely update but it's like yeah you gotta have it because you know you gotta you know market yourself and what have you mm-hmm. I'm just like just can you can you let the quality of your work speak for itself instead of constantly worrying about being on well that's what the media? That's what the social media is for, is to kind of express the quality of your work. Because, I mean, we have our agents and our managers, and they're doing as best they can, but 
you know, like we were saying, there's just so much out there now. You need to help them as much as they're going to help you. And they'll help you more with exposure. Exposure. Hate that term as well. It's like, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's all marketing talk and, and buzz speak and, and all this stuff, but it, I don't know. I definitely see it, uh, as just a reality. It's like, uh, we're all in the algorithm. What you mean? The algorithm that, that hides your posts. If you don't have X amount of followers, that algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to be susceptible to, Coding that we don't have anything to do with, which is a shame. But at the same time, we can also be in charge of, you know, our output, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, that, that's what I like whenever people follow me on Twitter and then find out that I'm just posting on whatever interests that I that I post about. It's like, yeah, because I don't I don't want to stick to one thing. And if if you're going to follow me on Twitter, then understand that I'm going to be posting about a lot of different topics. So and 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 not all of them are going to interest you and that's fine but at the same time don't stop following me for a specific thing and then unfollowing me when you realize that I'm just I'm not one of those people who just talks about a specific thing over and over again because mm-hmm. I just I just don't want to do that Abdullah you don't have a quote brand <laughs> brand <laughs> brand <laughs> What's your brand no, I think if you look at it like that, you will literally go insane. Uh, and I know that there's people that do that and they do very well, you know, good for them. Uh, I don't, I don't live life uh, through the brand mindset, but um, you know, there's a lot of things about social media that I really do like uh, being a remote talent through social media. I've met so many great people that I wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise. And, uh, and I've been able to work with them because of it. I mean, for all my complainings about social media, there is a positive to it. I mean, it's it is cool, like talking to people who you would have never talked to in a million years without you know social media. I think that's pretty pretty interesting, and it is pretty cool when you know you interact with someone and then you know they retweet something or or um, reply to it. I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it, I mean, it's limited in interaction, but it's interaction nonetheless. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Facebook's the big, the big evil. But Facebook was a huge help when I was getting started with the voiceover community. The voiceover community is on Facebook pretty, pretty intensely, and uh, especially the remote community. And that was a huge help. I learned so much about audio engineering. Uh, I made you know connections at major agencies through the forums that I was on. Oh, what are they called? Forums? What are they called? Groups. Um, now it's an echo chamber that's bananas. And not to say that it wasn't then, but like now I go on and it's like, oh, that's the person whose brain is melted. That's the person whose brain is melted. Oh, there's some interesting information. Oh, these are the same six people. Okay, this algorithm's wrong. Oh, yeah. I I just like barely use Facebook anymore. I'm just, my account is only there because I there's still like one person I talk to on there via the messenger app and that's it that's like that's the only reason my account is still up otherwise just i would have just deleted it years ago yeah well if i delete it i lose all my oculus games and i don't want to do that so it's there but uh but yeah i don't use it anymore for reasons i'm sure everybody else shares the same ideas about but it was an amazing tool for a very long time 
I find in Twitter and Instagram to be that now and TikTok a little bit. I don't, I'm not on to, I am, well, I'm on TikTok, but I don't really use it very often. Um, and then there's a thing called Clubhouse, which I've never used, but apparently a lot of voiceover talent also do that as well. Um, I think those are the only ones that are coming to mind. Oh, and then of course Discord and stuff like that. Yeah, but but I mean, my problem with Discord is I feel like I get lost in the conversation because if you join sure. a server that's sure. like, that has like a billion people or like various users and everyone's typing away, you just get lost in the conversation and no one's yeah. paying attention to what you're saying. That's what happened with me. I, I joined some big servers and I was like, what is going on? This is actually making me nervous. My palms are sweating right now. My knees weak. Arms are heavy. And then... um I, and then a couple indie games that I was in, they primarily used it as a way to communicate with the talent. And that was pretty exciting. So then we'd have like, like this game three out of 10 by terrible posture. Uh, we had like viewing parties on it and stuff. So that was super fun. And I got to meet all them virtually because the world was shut down. I couldn't meet them in person. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is cool. I remember, um, someone, I was on, uh, an old form in on my old discord account before I lost access to that where, um, we watched, we did a, like a, a let's watch of the first episode of skate the infinity. And that was pretty fun. Oh, neat. <laughs> That's cool. That was a, that was a pretty fun experience, even though the, the internet connection wasn't very great. So right. you know, it was, you know, it was fun to watch like an episode of an anime and riff w live with people on it. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fun experience. Cause I miss doing that. I miss like, cause one of the things I used to do was like, um, on Twitter, I would, whenever I get really, really bored, I would just like scream, I would just like watch a show and just riff on it. And by riff on it, I mean like screen cap a moment Mm -hmm. Post it on Twitter and then like write a joke about it. And <laughs> there was like this entire thread about the. If you go through my archives, you'll find like an entire thread uh, to me of me riffing on the, um, on the uh, Black Panther animated series that came out a couple of years ago because I was so bored that day and I'm like, hey, let's just let's just riff on this. It's silly. <laughs> oh, was that the stop motion one kind of where it's like just one still image and it's moving? awkwardly at like shoulders and no, elbows kind of the, thing it was the animated one it was the uh oh, okay. quest oh shoot i haven't seen that one yeah it was it was a fun it, it was fun riffing on that just like pointing out like really dumb stuff and i'm just like yeah <laughs> just making jokes about it and what have you it was a lot of fun. yeah <laughs> and I just missed yeah there was a that. period where twitter was like a, almost a comedian's writer's room and it was a blast that was like the Rob Delaney, Kelly Oxford era of Twitter. That was a fun era. And then things got pretty wild. Yeah, I just miss God. Remember, remember the days when you couldn't like where, where you only had like 140 characters and you had to think really hard about what you wanted to say on Twitter. So everything yeah. was like short, short term sentences. <laughs> How many characters do you have now? 200 and something. I, I, forget. Hmm. I don't know. It's just too long. It's too long. <laughs> I do my best thinking in 140 characters. <laughs> I mean, but, but like that was the appeal of Twitter for me at the beginning where it's like you can just tweet out whatever random thought you had and that's it. Mm -hmm. so I remember on my old account, I would just tweet out about like whatever show I was watching. I was like, oh, I found this really cool or I found this really stupid or whatever. And it just, 
and that was it. But now it's like just mountains and mountains of words and just phrases that mean nothing and people complaining about the dumbest shit ever. And it's just, man, what happened to this website? <laughs> well, Elon Musk will fix everything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just feel like, I feel like to me, like Twitter for me now is more of a time waster more than anything else. Mm. And I feel like every time I, I'm on there, I just, I feel unproductive. I feel like I'm just wasting my time because there's like nothing for me. It can be for sure. I, I, there's so many mini Twitters within Twitter. There's like almost Twitter cities, if you will, though. So it depends on what Twitter lane I'm in. When I log into it specifically, the main feed tends to be garbage. So I have to go into my lists to find, you know, the lanes that I'm looking for. Because the main feed will just be like, I don't even follow these people. Like, I'll look at it and I'm like, who are these people? And then Twitter's like narking on them being like, so-and-so like this. Did you know that? You should see it too. I'm like, I don't care what they did. Oh, to fix that, just switch from home tap to latest tweets. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's what I did, and th that made it like a little bit easier. Because now it just shows you all the, all the latest stuff instead of yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> did you know so and so like this? Did you know that? I don't care. I don't want them. I'm good for them. <laughs> and it's even annoying when you only follow like a, a thousand or so accounts, but you just get bombarded with all these notifications, and it's like, okay. <laughs> Like, I'm just following, like, a thousand accounts. I'm not following, like, 12 billion, you know, but it feels like yeah. it. <laughs> I just want to read the tweets from the people I'm following. And, um, but, but I mean, do you talk to anybody on Twitter or is it just whatever? Yeah, yeah, I've got some friends on Twitter. Um, uh, Melissa Medina, Matt Curtis, Chris Sharps. There's fun. Yeah, you know, it's, they're just, it's a good group of people and... You know, they're all uh, VAs as well. So, yeah, I I can't imagine being a voiceover actor without having uh, social media and or, you know, as banal as it sounds, the internet in general, you know. It's just been such a game changer to be able to work remotely. And just the 10 years or so that I've been at 12 now, I guess, because I got started in 2010 to now, I've just watched everything open up. When I got started, it was like you had to live in these cities. You had to be in L.A. or you had to be in New York um, or Chicago or Dallas. And and now that's just not true in any way, shape or form. You really do not. There's certain things that you will have better access to in L.A. There's no doubt about it. But to make a, a good living and to actually work still in all of those aspects of the industry, you don't have to be there. I'm just waiting on the day when people finally figure out, hey, you don't have to be in L.A. to get all the jobs, you know? <laughs> you don't. It is better for networking. It is better. But, you know, those casting directors also do a ton of online workshops. So you can meet them that way. And and you can learn from them. I mean, I'm getting to study with Charlie Adler uh, in May, which I cannot wait. I have a huge respect for Charlie. And I mean, Charlie was, you know, just L.A. centric for forever. You know, you'd have to fly to him to be able to do it. But now he's going to be doing it on Zoom. 
Oh yeah, I I reached out to his representative, seeing like if I could get him on the show, and and they were like, you know, Charlie's like extremely busy, and I looked at his. Like, I'm sure. I looked at his schedule, and I'm like, oof, <laughs> I don't, you know, not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the man's an institution. Yeah, no, he's great. I've had people who've worked with him, and and they say like, you know, he's tough but fair. Yeah, I mean that's that's all you can really ask for in an instructor. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, like that's you know, for all the for all the stuff I harp upon uh, about uh, you know social media, I do like it whenever I hear someone saying like, look, I I I made friends on social media, and I'm like, yeah, cool, because I feel like now more than ever we need a strong sense of community because mm-hmm. everyone is so divided, and I don't mean that in the political sense. I feel like everyone is just. Like there's just, there's just this sense of tribalism that I'm just so sick and tired of right now. And I'm just, I'm just like, can we just have like a nice little community where we get together and talk about the dumb, dumb shit that only we find interesting for like a week or so, you know, can we just do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What I did was when I got started specifically, I looked to people who I really respected and then I tried to kind of reverse engineer the steps that they took to get where they are. And through social media, I was able to connect with them and, and talk with them and, and, and really learn from them that way, which was just unbelievably invaluable. Just, I feel lucky for honestly lucky to be alive in a time where you can do something like that, but that's the positive side. And of course there's all the negative side too, but I choose to not reflect too much on that because I can't control it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you can't really do anything if someone posts something stupid on Twitter. It's like, okay, no. that, that that person feels that way. And it's like, if they want to fish for compliments by saying something stupid from random strangers, then whatever. I don't really care. It makes no difference to me. You know, I, yeah. They, I mean, if you want your... I, I feel like, you know, the biggest problem with social media for me is that it's become less about promoting yourself and building a community and more about validating whatever crazy opinion you have. Just validating, just, just fishing for validation yeah. is what it is now. It's an era of hot takes for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's sides of that for sure. You know, like most people deal with trauma by moving beyond it. And then there's sides of Twitter where it's like, oh, they're just going to rehash this trauma every day, seven times a day. And I, and I see those people too. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, that's how you're doing it, but I'm just going to mute you. I don't have to hear it. I don't care. I mean, as long as you don't have, as long as you've never run into um, people who hate you for, you know, uh, daring to disgrace the, you know, the beauty of anime by being in English dubs, then you should be fine. I guess. Oh, you're going to find those people. I mean, (laughs) you know, like. One of my very first roles was uh, Iron Fist for the um, mobile game um, Marvel Avengers Academy. And, you know, the comments were, you know, Alan Adelberg is the worst. That was my favorite comment. First of all, they misspelled my name. And uh, and worst was in all caps. And it's, you know, but I get it. They didn't understand that the character was supposed to be kind of like a surfer bro. You know, I besmirched the the honor of iron fist then the show came out and you know that besearched it more so i was okay but uh you know i mean people are people are going to say all kinds of things but ultimately 
they're entitled to it. I mean, there's things that people like, like personally, hot take. I don't like the Batman. I think the Batman's the most earnest, ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but people love it. You see, I mean, that's, that's your opinion. And, and, you know, you have the right to feel, you know, you, you have the right to have that opinion, but yeah, to me, it was unintentionally hilarious, but it was well done. It's beautifully shot. But to me, when I was watching, I was like, <clears throat> like, I just felt like this is the kind of Batman who's like, oh, I'll be in my room. Like, and just kind of storms out of every seat. I don't know. It just felt like a very, very silly guy. But, but, but I mean, like, that's that's the thing is, like, people need to understand is that having hot takes does not make you interesting. I, I, I want to no, make this very clear. Good point. Like, that's, that's what bugs me is, like, okay, you have yeah. this hot take, but please, for the love of God, don't think that that makes you an interesting person. Please. that that That's, like... Oh, I hate that so much. It's like, oh, I did not like this popular movie. I, oh god, I saw this like really stupid like, because YouTube recommends me these uh, these dumb videos that I did that that I don't even search for that, but just randomly pop up in my feed because the algorithm thinks I want to watch this nonsense, where it's like, oh, I did not like the Mitchells versus the the Mitchells versus the machines, and I'm like, okay. Did you really need to make a video about it? Be, thinking that that opinion makes you makes you interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a phenomenon that's not new, but I think has been exaggerated by the amount of of media that's coming at us and and with social media, and that is self definition through consumption. You know, like my identity is that I consume this, but I do not consume that, and. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I worked in comic shops uh, when I was a teenager into college. So it's not a new thing. It's just they weren't able to be on Twitter to be, you know, saying like, no, I'm totally into DC. And I think Marvel's the worst. And that was, you know, early 90s here and that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, self-definition through consumption, I don't think is new. And I think it's also also an important part of our development, you know, because it's like, well, why do you like this band versus that band? Or why do you like this book versus that book? I think for me, I just try to focus on what am I bringing to the world? Like, what am I offering um, instead of what am I um, consuming, I guess? I guess this is my problem is like, stop trying to build like this entire personality or persona around like, disliking popular media it's like because no one cares in the end like and and here's the thing like stuff that's popular is only going to be popular for like what a month or two and then like a year from now no one's going to care it's like oh yeah remember that movie that came out a year ago okay yeah i remember when that was a big deal remember you remember in 2016 where everyone was pissed off about the female ghostbusters movie and now barely anyone talk, talk, barely anybody talks about it anymore because it's like and when you say everybody it was people online like i would go to like a youtube comment section and i'm like oh this is apparently a very big deal uh okay nobody nobody on the street was you know just like okay i'm, I'm gonna need to see your id to come in by the way can you believe they have female ghostbusters now can you believe this you know nobody's stopping me to talk about it yeah, it's just it was just like I I'm so tired of it. I'm just like, okay, you don't like this popular thing. That doesn't make you interesting. I mean, it's I'm not saying you can't criticize popular thing, but there's a difference between 
constructive criticism and oh hey, this thing is shit and everybody who likes it is a terrible person it's just, there's also the reality of like how much of that is genuine like how much of that is actual outrage and how much of it is either bots or uh one person with a group of people and they're all doing like 250 different screen names you don't know so i, I don't know I, I just take it with a grain of salt to me my focus is on what am I creating? And I try to create like every day. What I guess to go back to the beginning where you ask, like, how do you stay sane? For me, what keeps me sane is creating. If I'm not creating, then I feel really antsy. Like that's when I start getting on edge and, and the hot takes want to come out, you know, be like, Batman's worst thing ever, you know, versus like, that was all right. Yeah. It's just, I, I feel like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a complicated world we're living in, and I just feel like I feel like everyone's just trying to find their own identity, and that's understandable. But sure. at the same, but at the same time, it's like you know, is is there someone who wants to just build people up instead of put them down? Because I I'm all for that now. <laughs> you know, as the the older I get, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of putting people down. I want to you know showcase people up. You know, I'm gonna pull people up, and you know, I think that's what you're doing. You know, you got that with this podcast. And there are people like that. I see them online, you know? Yeah, I mean, because I, I remember watch, seeing a, a tweet of just someone talking about another voice actor saying, like, he's one, like, oh, this person's like one of the most talented people I've ever had the honor of working with. I'm like, yeah, I want to see more of this. Where You know, that's just- another reason to go back to versus on camera to voiceover. I find the voiceover community just to be the most wonderful group of people. They're so welcoming. I, I think it's because there's just something so unique about a person's voice. Like a person's voice is their point of view and their point of view is so unique. So when you're, there's people who sound like me or I sound like them or people I wished I sound like, that's all human nature. That's going to happen. But when I listen to their reads, it's like, that's just them. That's so awesome the way they did that. And I, I find that mindset more uniformly across voiceover actors than I do on camera actors and just my experience. So I find the voiceover community incredibly supportive and positive. Yeah. That's what I love about um, the the VO community is that there's very rarely do you see anybody putting anyone down. It's like, you know, Hey, I really like what this person's doing. And just, just seeing that makes me have like hope in humanity where it's like, yeah, you know, I kind of needed to see just, just people saying nice things about their their contemporaries or colleagues. I mean, that's that's all I ask for. You know, just a nice comment. You know, it's wild. Like when I did on camera stuff, like I would, I had one experience where I literally, you see it in a movie where it's like you go into the room and it's like all these dudes kind of look like me. Like we all kind of look exactly alike. That's so weird. But then in voiceover stuff, I'll hear stuff that I've lost and then I'll hear the person is there and it's like, okay, we're both mid-range. We both kind of sound the same age or whatever, but like there's just something immensely unique about what they brought to it that would be different than me and vice versa. And and, and speaking of that, um, what are some of your favorite performances in the past couple of years from VO, from a VO standpoint? Hmm. Um, boy, that's a great question. Uh, I think I really loved being in the game um, three out of 10. It was like a, it was like a video game sitcom and I got to play so many different characters in it. Not the least of which was a a gal named Joan 
So she's an older gal from Minnesota. And it there was it was so fun to play something that would have been arch and caricaturous on the surface, but the more and more we got into it, it's like Joan's pretty deep. Joan's had a life. And uh it was it was fun to take something that on its surface feels buffoonish, but uh they had just created such a rich character. And so I would say her and uh this game, uh Kina Bridge of Spirits. I was uh Russa and the the team in charge of that just uh, the, just the themes to the music to the visuals there's so much heart in the game so by the time i met the the crew i didn't even know what the character looked like when i got cast i didn't know what the game looked like i just knew what the script made me feel and so then when we met and we actually got to work on it it just was such a a positive affirming experience and when I play the game, it's like the game is just so overwhelmingly alive. Like it celebrates life, which sounds so cheesy, but considering what we've lived through for so long, to just see something that's just unabashedly celebrating life through the lens of helping spirits move on, like to the to the afterlife. It's about letting like it's about letting go, basically. And I just found the game cathartic and beautiful. Um, so I'd say probably that and, and three out of 10 on the other hand for finding something that's so shallow and creating depth. And in this case, like an actual work of art that is about letting go of things and moving towards grace. And does it feel weird uh, hearing yourself and stuff? It did at first. Yeah. I think I'd be insane if I wasn't like what it, in the beginning. But uh, now I don't listen to it like that. Now I listen to it the way like a musician would listen to them playing and be like, oh, I could have done that note better. Or like, oh, that, you know, those four bars could have been a little bit tighter. So now when I'm listening to it, I'm listening for technique and craft. I don't listen so much to like, my voice sounds weird. But my voice sounds weird feeling was there in the beginning for sure for at least two or three years. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking at the time and I just realized I got to get going. So, um, sure. Before we wrap this up, uh, where can people find you online, and can you give us an update on what you're currently working on? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Alan Adelberg, um, Instagram at Alan Adelberg, and my website, guess AlanAdelberg.com. And uh, I'm currently working on uh, a show that I'm really excited to come out for uh, on Crunchyroll. I can't say anything about it yet, unfortunately. And then um, I did some more updates for uh, McLeod on uh, Final Fantasy Brave X. Kivis, if that's how it's pronounced, which should be coming out soon, which is uh, which I'm excited for. All right. Thanks for taking the time up to do this. This has been a lot of fun. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. Cool. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bye. You too.